Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you for the Book of Romans. We just pray that as we continue to study it, that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truth. That through the indwelling of your spirit, that we would embrace your truth and live it on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me to the 12th chapter of Romans as we continue our study this morning. In the last week... Our focal passage was verses 1 through 2. In fact, we spent a couple of Sundays on the first and second verse of Romans. And if you recall, Paul is transitioning from the gospel message that he gave in verses 1 through 11 to where he outlines the desperate need for Christ due to the incapable situation that man finds himself in with sin, all the way to Jesus Christ, to the fact that we're predestined for salvation. And he ends chapter 11 with this beautiful doxology, which is a praise to God. In Romans 11 verses 33, he wrote, Oh, the depths of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And as he finishes that doxology, he then moves on to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. And he tells us that we should be presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Chapters 1 through 11, you saw the gospel presented. From here on out to the rest of the book, you'll see practical Christian living. And so when you look at verse 1, and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and always with Paul, when you... See, therefore, you need to pay attention. So in other words, he finishes his praise of God regarding the wonderful salvation that we have. And then he says, I beseech you, therefore, or I exhort you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And then he tells us that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That we should live a holy life. And he tells us it is reasonable. In other words, he's not asking us to do something out of the ordinary. Because through the indwelling of the Spirit, you and I have the ability to pursue holiness. And so he tells us to live a holy life. He then goes on and tells us it is the will of God. So instead of, as I preached last week, of looking at your salvation as a static salvation, one that isn't at work, one where you have a token in your pocket to be exercised when you get to the pearly gates, 
You need to look at your salvation as a dynamic salvation. In other words, that God calls us and then through the indwelling of the Spirit, He continues to work through us as He moves us more and more through His sanctifying power to look like Him. It's interesting as we progress to verse 3. He first tells us to be holy. And let me make this statement. When you think about living a holy life, it's internal, isn't it? The pursuit of holiness deals with our heart and our soul and our mind. It is our motivations. It's our thought life. He tells us to pursue holiness, to present our bodies to God as a holy sacrifice. That's the inside. Verses 1 through 2. Now we're going to the outside. In fact, if I had to put a title on this sermon, I would title it Inside Outside. Because as Paul deals with practical Christian living, we first pursue holiness. In other words, living our life according to the godly standard. Not talking about living your life compared to your neighbor or some despicable person in society that you then look very good when you compare your life according to their life. Living a holy life is living a life according to the godly standard. And in fact, that's what the sanctification process is, isn't it? As we have the indwelling of the Spirit that we continue to look at our life not in comparison to others, but one person, and that one person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's told us to do, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's inside. Now we're going to move to the outside. In other words, how we interact not only with one another as members of the church, as we exercise gifts, but also how we interact with society, inside, outside. Let's look at our focal verse this morning, starting in verse 3. And let me say we're going to spend some time here. Verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So as Paul first starts out with the exhortation to holiness, he then moves on to the exercise of gifts. And I think that this is an extremely important topic for the American church today. Unfortunately, we live in a time where the church is not only experiencing waning church attendance, but also a lack of commitment. There is a reason why churches 
have had over the last 20 or 30 years an explosion of paid staff. It amazes me when you look at churches that are bigger than ours and you look at how many people are on staff. In fact, sometimes it's not unusual for the staff of the church to exceed 10% of the congregation. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is is that Christians are not exercising the gifts that God has given them and equipped them for the church. People say, well, I don't have time for it. Let's let somebody else do it. Let's put somebody on staff. So, let's look at our passage this morning and see what Paul is telling every single one of us. And I guess the first question that would come about would be, who has received a gift? Who's received a gift? Because in verse 3, it says, To everyone who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, a faith to exercise the gift that he's given you. Well, he just said everyone. You see that throughout Scripture in the New Testament. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift... As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've all been given gifts. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and you are sitting in this service, you have been given a gift to exercise within the body of Christ. And not only have you been given that gift, but you've also been given the ability to exercise that gift. And this is an extremely important topic. And one reason why it's extremely important is is that we're all going to be judged by how we've exercised the gift that God has given us. You don't hear this preached a lot in pulpits anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, talks about the judgment seat of Christ, which is not for unbelievers. Here we're talking about the judgment that you and I will experience as we stand before Christ as believers. And in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 5, it reads, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust well known in your consciences." All believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and you will receive a reward according to how you have exercised your faith and your gift. Not your sins. 
Now you may look and say, well, in verse 10, what is Paul writing about when he says good or bad? That is not sin. Christ already paid the price for that. Christ paid the price for your sin on the cross. You're not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged according to your sin. You have the blood covering. That's why we observe the Lord's table this morning. What's he talking about? It's talking about your choice of whether you serve him or you choose something else. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, Reformed theology always gets a bad name by being accused of not having a free will. But if you're a Reformed theologian or you're a Calvinist or however you want to wear the label, you believe in a free will. The free will is not with the natural man. The, The natural man is in bondage to sin. They can make a choice to pursue holiness. That only comes through the grace of God. But as a believer, we have a free will. And that free will is is how you are going to live in your life for God. According to the gift that God has given you. According to the gift that God has given you. You will stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And we will be judged. Now look at verse 11 there at 2 Corinthians 5. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now, you could say that's the fear of the Lord. Knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade men. Well, now let's go back to our focal passage. In verse 3 of Romans 12, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now let's think about that for a moment. Why should I think soberly? Why should I have a fear of the Lord? It's because I have been given and you have been given a spiritual gift and you and I will stand before God and we'll be judged how we used that. We'll be judged on, did we make the right decision? That brings a sobering thought, doesn't it? So many times in our cheap grace theology in America today, where everybody looked at their salvation as this static token, this get out of jail free card, if you will, to where people think, well, man, I'm home free. I'm home free. I can live however I want to. You can. The Bible says that there will be people that they make it through, but they're a little charred. Or, or you can exercise your gift and receive the reward. See, I used to have, as a kid, I I had the wrong view of God. My view when I was a teenager was that there was no reward. That there were... Two types of Christians, in my view, when I was a teenager. Those who profess and exercise their faith and live according to the teachings and truths of Christ. Then there were people that were, let's call them casual Christians. 
We can argue about that at some other date. But casual Christians. And in that casual Christianity, they do whatever they want to, but they still got the token in their pocket, right? To be exercised at the gate of heaven. And in my mind as a teenager, I used to think, well, that's just really not fair. That's not fair. Because I'm living the way that I'm supposed to. And I'm on the same plane as somebody who has that token in their pocket. And they're out there living life according to the world. That's completely unscriptural. That's not in scripture. That's not the appropriate view of God. Because God is a God of what? Justice. Justice. And just as there are different degrees of punishment in hell, there's rewards in heaven. And we're to be held accountable in how we've exercised those. And that thought should make me look at my life in a sober, sober manner. Am I living the way that I am supposed to be living? Because I will stand and you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll have a judgment on whether we made the right decision. We make decisions every day, don't we? I remember sitting in economics class and the first time a teacher taught about the opportunity cost of economics. Because there's this thing called opportunity cost. In other words, if I spend $10 at the movie, that's an opportunity cost, right? I can't go spend that $10 somewhere else. That $10 could have been applied at a restaurant or wherever. Opportunity cost. And just as we read that Paul said that we're going to be judged according to good or bad, There's an opportunity cost. We all only have a limited amount of time during the day, don't we? You've got to make a decision. Am I going to exercise my gift? Now, topically, I want to cover why some people don't exercise their gift. And some of these, over the last 25 years of ministry, I can say that I've nearly heard them all. Here's one of my favorites. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Which my answer is, then don't be a hypocrite. Because when we look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul wrote, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be also to bear it. In other words, my friends, sin for the believer is a choice. It's a choice. We choose to sin. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we choose to sin. The natural man does it, and he's in bondage to sin. But there are some people say, oh, you know, I don't want to do that. And I'm going to put some of my own personal experience here, because as you know, through my own personal testimony, I fought doing this job for years, years, didn't want to do it. And one of the stupid reasons that I didn't want to do this job 
is because I knew that I would be held accountable. I wasn't living a horrible life, but people watch you, right? If you have the title of pastor in front of your name. I will tell you this. I fought it, struggled with cancer, and then, as Paul said, we're going to be judged according to our gifts, knowing that I was called. I thought, my goodness, I'm going to stand before a holy, righteous God, and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I knew. I knew. I fought it because of the accountability, one of the reasons. And now I can say it's been the best thing for me in my life. Accountability is good. It's good. I used to work with a business partner. That's when Bible bookstores were big and you could go in there and get the bumper stickers in the back of my business partner's car. You you couldn't even see paint. It was just loaded with Christian bumper stickers. And I used to think, man, I'm never going to put one of those on the back of my car because I don't want to give God a bad name whether driving or my reaction to driving. Accountability is good. It is good. Working in the church, exercising your faith, and we're not all called to be pastors. We're going to get into spiritual gifts and the actual spiritual gifts on a later Sunday. We all have different gifts. Not all of us are called to be pastors. Not all of us are called to sing, and not all of us are called to teach a Bible study class, but my friends, you are called. You are called. Every single person here has a gift. And this idea of, well, I don't want to serve because I don't want to give God a bad name. My answer is, you've got the ability to live your life. There again, that's why Paul started on the inside first, right? Inside first, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Outside starting in verse 3. You do need to live a holy life. You do need to live a life for God. And when your inside gets right, I'm going to tell you the outside takes care of itself. If you are spending time in your Word, if you're reading, if you are praying, one is is that God is going to put you in to your gift for it to be exercised within the church. And God's going to work through you. Hypocrites one. Second, people's priorities are wrong. Matthew 6, verse 19. These are the words of Christ. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your focus is wrong, the gift doesn't even come into play. It doesn't even come into play. If your focus is on Christ, you're kingdom-minded. I remember my father-in-law told me one time this great line. He'd gone to a funeral. And the pastor at the funeral said, the only thing that leaves the graveside is our reputation. I would say, in my experience, 
That's true. Death's the great equalizer, isn't it? It's the great equalizer. We all have a terminal condition, and it is called death. In all of the things that we think that's important as we live this life, end up being meaningless. Except how you have lived your life towards the kingdom of Christ. I remember years ago, I had a business client that died. He lived in Baton Rouge in dedicated believer. And I thought, that's a funeral I'm not missing. And I remember I walked in and the family said, I, I can't believe you're here. And I said, oh, I wasn't going to miss this. He was in his 80s. He had gone to the same church since he was 13 years old. And he was active his whole life. He taught, God bless him, he taught junior high boys, Sunday school, for decades. For decades. He was the greeter at the door. He greeted people as they came in. It was a large church that he attended, and when I walked in, it was packed. It was packed not because of what he did vocationally. That had, he'd been retired for years. It wasn't because he was a person of affluence. He was a normal everyday guy. It was packed because he had exercised his faith in the church and touched people for the kingdom of Christ. I was eavesdropping on two young guys sitting in front of me. And one guy looks at me and goes, well, why are you here? I didn't expect you to be here. He said, because every Sunday when I walked up the door, he shook my hand. And he told me he was glad that I was here. That's a gift. That's a gift. And because his focus was right, because his focus was right, he exercised his gift in the kingdom. Another reason why? People don't want to pay the cost. I already talked about opportunity cost. We all have limited times. We all have things to do at home. We all have chores. We all have the pressing things to do at work. We all have family responsibilities. We're all in the same boat. In order to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And sometimes that comes with certain cost. I'm going to give you the extreme cost with the Apostle Paul. You remember... Paul, before he gave his life to Christ, was named Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, God told Ananias to go meet him. And in Acts 9.13, Ananias says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And God told Ananias this in verse 15. He says, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Think about that for a moment. Well, then he goes on and says, Kings and the children of Israel. Think about that. He said, I am redeeming Paul. I'm redeeming Paul 
for a specific purpose. You may say, well, yeah, but I'm not Paul. None of us are Paul, but we've all been redeemed for a specific purpose. We were all redeemed to work in the body of Christ. That is scriptural. We've all been redeemed. We've all been given a gift. And here he says, I've redeemed him. He's a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. But then he goes on in verse 16. He says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You could leave this morning and go, I am going to pray about my gift and I'm going to exercise my gift and it's all going to be wonderful. No, it's not. There's a reason why the Bible says don't grow weary while doing good. There's a reason. It comes with a cost. Exercising the gift comes with a cost, but I'm going to tell you whatever cost you pay, God's going to give you so much more. In Acts 9, that's what God told Ananias in Philippians 3, verse 7. Look at the words of Paul after he's lived a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." He was a transformed person in Christ who was exercising his gift and he did it all the way until he told Timothy, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He was saved for a purpose. You and I are saved for a purpose. I would venture to say you're here this morning in this church for a purpose. And as we get into later on into... The gifts, I'll tell you right now, pew sitting is not a gift. Each of us, each of us have been equipped to work in His kingdom. And if we're obedient, you'll experience all of the joy that comes from serving the Lord. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank You this morning that You have redeemed us not just for heaven, that you redeemed us to serve, that you've given us the mind of Christ. I just pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, we'd be obedient to your calling, we'd be obedient to our gift, and we would know the full joy of serving the Lord. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that's listening who doesn't know you, that they've never turned their life over to you, that they would accept Christ as Savior and Lord and discover the joy of forgiveness, the wonderfulness of mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org 
or go to sermonaudio.com slash Mill Creek Church. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.